This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. And here we are. Hello, hello to Lori Walmark. Hello to you. I'm happy to be here. And I'm delighted to be here. Well, actually, I'm here in Israel, and you are somewhere in the middle of New Jersey. Absolutely. Western Central New Jersey. And so everybody, uh, meet Lori Walmark, um, wonderful author of a dozen children's books and several more on the way and uh, wonderful to have you on the show and so before I forget uh, we are the children's literature channel of the new books network and I'm Mel Rosenberg sitting here in Israel interviewing Laurie Walmart and we're going to focus on one of your three brand new books Um, it's very rare for an author uh, to break into this uh, industry and to have traditionally published uh, picture books and you have a dozen and three that are out this year. Publishing is a funny industry. You can write books years apart, and they all end up coming out at the same time between production delays, supply chain issues, um, many problems. I now have yeah. three this year. <laughs> yes, but you, you realize that the statistics are that one in every 3,000 manuscripts gets published. True. But, well, I I teach courses on writing books for children, and I say you need three things. You need, you know, some talent. You need a willingness to learn and improve your craft. And wow, do you need persistence. That's the big one. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're a persistent uh, person. Uh, But even having said so, um, you can be a great writer and you can um, be persistent, and your odds are still less than one in a hundred. Uh, so, so you've broken in, and not only that, but you are uh, esteemed in the industry. Uh, other authors love you. You're sharing your knowledge, and uh, you are a successful author. And among the, we'll talk about your three new books, but the one that we decided to focus on today is Rivka's Presence. Uh, Random House Studio just came out last month, and you must be extremely proud of this book. It's so lovely. You want to show it to everybody, those who can watch. Sure. Okay. So here's the beautiful cover with artwork by um, Adelina Lirius. And let me just open up to just a random inside page to show you how beautiful it is. Okay, hold it back a little tiny bit. So. It's 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 gorgeous. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book, and the writing is gorgeous too. 
So uh, Mazel Tov on this wonderful book. Thank uh, you. About um, Jewish immigration and persistence. Um, a little over 100 years ago in the tenements. Uh, 1918. Name that a time that will live in infamy, shall we say. Absolutely. Um, so uh, let's start with where you got the inspiration for Rivka's presence. Who is Rivka? I mean, it, it's, a fic it's fiction, but I'm guessing that there's all kinds of nonfiction aspects of it. Oh, authors always put a little bit of themselves into books. But where I got the inspiration from, those of you who don't live in the New York area may not know that there's a museum called the Tenement Museum on the Lower East Side. And it's not like a traditional traditional museum where you walk from room to room, but rather it takes you to apartments that they have recreated what apartments were like at different times in history. So I went to the Tenement Museum and there was an apartment of a Jewish family living in the early 1900s. And I looked around this apartment and I thought about when my parents lived on the Lower East Side uh, with several children in just this little one-room apartment. And I thought there's got to be a story here somewhere. I had no idea what the story was, but okay. That, who, who is little Rivka? Rivka Le. Rivka, yeah, Rivka is my mother. Now, what happened to Rivka certainly did not happen to my mother. But like my mother, who desperately wanted to go to school, desperately loved education, anything she could do to learn, that was the same as my little Rivka. And that's why I based it on. So, so how, how close uh, is, your mother, is your mother with us? No, no, she's been gone for quite a while now. Unfortunately, she never even got to see a draft of this book because I wrote it long after she was gone. I'm very sorry. Uh, and her name was Rivka? No, <laughs> her name was Ruth. I don't know where Rivka, the name Rivka came from. It just seemed like a good name for a little Jewish girl. Which is, which is the Hebrew equivalent of Rebecca or Becky. Right. Okay, and uh, a little bit more about this story and how it gelled. Okay, so maybe five years went by, and I went to the Tenement Museum again. I took that same tour, stood in those same rooms, looked around, and again thought, there's got to be a story here somewhere. Still didn't know what it was. <laughs> no, so but it, it just it stuck around in the back of my mind for a long time, and I decided to start writing it. I knew I wanted it to have Jewish values in it, <laughs> excuse me, um, of community, of education, of family, kindness, helping others. You know, so many of those values that are important in Judaism and for all of us, I wanted to appear in the book. So eventually I decided to make it about a little girl like my mother who couldn't wait to go to school. But of course, a book has to have a problem in it. So what was the problem? Why couldn't Rivka start school with her little friends? You know, if she could start school, it wouldn't be that interesting a book. And that's when I placed it into 1918 with the 1918 flu. And the problem is Papa gets sick with the flu. So Mama, instead of doing piecework at home and taking care of uh, the baby sister, Mama has to go work in the factory. 
leaving Rivka to take care of her baby sister. And another little family part of this story, my grandmother worked at the infamous Triangle Cert Waste Factory. Now she's one of the lucky few who survived. So I knew about women going to work in the garment factories back then. And uh, the garment factories were like dungeons. Oh, it was horrible. The story she would tell about it, you know, and then of course the horrible Triangle Shirtwaist uh, fire. But even without that, they they were horrible. So um, they they fled the pogroms in Europe, uh, and 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 um, endured arduous uh, trips in steerage across the ocean. Uh, right. Came to Ellis Island. Um, were welcomed in strange ways, had their names changed, and they were checked for all kinds of different things. And and then some, well, I guess most of them in 1918 were allowed into the United States. The Golden Medina. Right. As you write in your book. Uh, and then they came to, um, not the Golden Medina, but a <laughs> very, uh, very difficult and arduous uh, existence. It was certainly better than the pogroms, but, you know, not much for a lot of them, but they persevered. And they, and, and um, it, it's your story is, is so it, it's true because it's it's not true. Right. <laughs> and this is one of the strange things about writing fiction. And I want to come back to this with you. Um, so if I don't remember, uh, because I'm an altacocker. Um, I need you to remind me. Uh, Altecaca is a um, the, the equivalent in English to an old fart. Um, it's not exactly... What we were talking earlier about what Yiddish do I know, I certainly know that one. <laughs> okay, so um, when I was reading about your uh, biography, I found something we have in common, other than being Jewish. By the way, Lori, I didn't know you were Jewish until I, I read Rivka's Presence. And I said, oh, my goodness, this is an own voices story. This has to be a, a, a Shana Madele writing this story. Your name is Lori Walmark. <laughs> what the heck? Yep. When I got married 47 years ago, I decided that when I had children, I wanted them to have my name. And so I changed my name so my children would have my name. And that became Walmark. My uh, birth name was Seligman. So you were Laura Seligman or Laurie Seligman? Or, well, <laughs> actually, I was Laurel Seligman. But all through school, every document in the world had me as Laurie Seligman, um, Laurie Seligman and then Laurie Walmark. And then when it became time to apply for Medicare, you need a birth certificate. I sent in my birth certificate and they said, that's not you because <laughs> the name didn't match. I had to legally change my name to Lori. You know, hundreds <laughs> of dollars, legally change it. The new birth certificate comes and the new birth certificate has my name as Lori Seligman Walmark, as if I were married at birth. I just let it be. It matches. That's all I cared about. <laughs> you know, but be between you and me and whoever is listening, th there's a story here. <laughs> 
Um, so, so, so uh, the reason that I wanted to talk to you about this, the truth and the, the, you know, is because you are actually a scientist. Yes. Your bachelor's degree is in biochemistry. And I have a master's degree in information systems, well, which is let, let, computers. Let, let's stay with biochemistry. You know what okay. my bachelor, bachelor's degree is in? Biochemistry. Would you like to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I looked at that and I said, oh, another one. Another one who sees truth in children's books rather than scientific laboratories. So um, so we have so much in common. Let, let's start out at the beginning. You know, um, you didn't grow up to be a children's writer because you studied science. So, so start at the beginning and tell us about your life. Uh, Laurie, Laurel, <laughs> Walmart. Okay, so I was a math science kid who loved reading, but definitely math science all the way. Um, you know, I took English courses because you had to. We didn't really have creative writing back then, so that wasn't a, a problem. Any writing I did was either for school or for work. And I majored in biochemistry because that enabled me to take all sorts of different sciences. You know, I love that I could take physics and chemistry and biology. I had to take math. Um, so I wasn't, you know, pigeonholed into one little area of science. But I loved computers. I had spent a summer learning about computers. I loved computers. What do you do when you graduate? What kind of job should I get? And then I found out there was a field called scientific computing. It was like, Yay! I can combine computers, my science. This is great. So I worked for a pharmaceutical company, mm -hmm. but I needed to learn more about computing. <clears throat> which which you're, you're allowed to say which pharmaceutical company. Oh, okay. So at the time, it was called Herx Rousseau Pharmaceuticals. I think it since has been engulfed and devoured by someone else. All right. So I graduate Princeton. I go to work for Herx Rousseau Pharmaceuticals decide I need to learn more about computers. So I get a master's in information systems from Goddard College. And I'm just, you know, moving along, doing my thing, really enjoyed it. And then at some point I thought, I want to do something else. I want to work for myself rather than work uh, for someone else. Laurie, at what point was this? Uh, let's see. Was it like a day in your oh, life? No, it was about five or six years later. Um, my father was an entrepreneur, so that had always been in the back of my mind. But I was working for a consulting company at that point. And you, you know, yes, at some stage, you also had your own company. Yep. So I, I created my own company. It was called Tapestry Books. And I had a mail order catalog of books about adoption and infertility. I had a bookstore on the web before Amazon did. Right. So now the reading part of my love from childhood comes in. I don't get to read all these books, talk about books to people, really enjoyed it. Eventually, I sold that company. It was time to go back to the science side of my, my life. I started teaching computer science at our local community college. Really enjoyed that. I talked to students on campus and also to students who were in prison. So that was very satisfying, really enjoyed that. Then one day I had an idea for a children's book. Do you remember that day? Uh, it was about 25 years ago. I don't remember it specifically, but it was more, you know, what did I know about writing? 
right? I, I'd never done, other than some poetry as a kid. No, I, 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 but, but was, was it connected with raising children? Was it connected? No, at that point, one kid was out of the house. The other one was in high school. I just had this idea. So idea for learning. I, I, an idea for what book? It was a novel, a middle grade novel. I love middle grade books. I read them a lot now. So I decided I better learn how to write if I wanted to write this middle grade novel. <laughs> Took a lot of courses, um, wrote the novel, didn't sell. Okay, I'm not a writer, no big deal. Five years later, I had an idea for another middle grade novel. Okay, took more courses. Um, wrote the book, didn't sell. But this time, and for any listeners who are um, writers, uh, authors. Laurie, many listeners. Uh, okay. This time, instead of just sitting around thinking, okay, eventually it'll sell. I'll just sit here and wait. I wrote other books. I wrote a lot of picture books. I took more courses. And that was a big difference. Sure. Actually, that book did sell, but the publisher went out of business. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Um, but by then, I was hooked. I was writing. I was teaching. I loved it. I was getting so close. You know, so very close. People were asking for more of my work. They were taking it to acquisitions. Nothing was selling. So I quit again. This is a great story when I tell it to kids to show, you know, you quit. And then I was taking a class at my school on children's books. And it was for teacher wannabes. I mentioned to a professor that I'd written a biography because we were going to talk about it. She said, bring it in. So I said, oh, okay, I'll bring it in. And she said, read it to the class. So I read it to the class. And they loved it. Now, you have to remember, you had me and a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds. So they loved me. I, I think they liked the book, too. But I think it was more they loved me. It was enough to get me going again. I had quit. I had stopped writing to get me going again, to get me to go back to get an MFA in writing for children and young adults at Vermont College of Fine Yeah, which, which is considered like the top of the top. I like to think so. And, and, uh, Great and were, were you, do you receive a scholarship because it costs a Farmegan to go there? No, but luckily at this point in my life, you know, I'm not you know, 21, 22. I've been working my entire life, right? You know, I worked all the way through when my kids were little and you know, I never took time off other than, you know, to have them. So I was able to pay for it myself. I was very lucky that way that I didn't come out with any debts. I didn't have to borrow money. Now, one second. Hold on a second. So, so Lori Walmart, who is an established entrepreneur and a biochemist turned into an information scientist and computer uh, expert, right, has this yes. Michigas going. Yes. Where, where she thinks that she should be writing for children. Nobody else thinks that. Did anybody else think that, like in your in your mishpoche? Oh. Anybody say, oh, Laurie, this is not a mishigas. Go for it. Because why would they think that? I had never, other than writing some poetry and songs as a kid, I had never done any creative writing. Because when I was a kid, you didn't have creative writing in school. 
Yeah. Okay. So there was so, absolutely no reason to think why I should be doing this. So, so after two middle grades, and 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 I should say that um, I, you know, it, it could take me ninety revisions to write a picture book in five years, um, but I'm not going to write a middle grade because that's daunting. You know, um, I don't know thirty thousand words. Oy vey, like it's, it'll take me forever, and then nobody will want it. And you started with the middle grade. What did I know? That's a that's a gunsa Michigan. Okay, <laughs> so keep going here. Um. So people say, you know, did going to school help you? I don't know. I think I write faster now, which is certainly a help. No, but okay, but, but, go, go, going to that down wrong paths as go, I going go, going down going to that school and 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 reciting your your story that helped you. Yes, yes, I'm sure it doesn't hurt. And this Would, was a, bi- this get was a, a book published. No, no. Say, okay, so you, you read you read this group of students a biography of. Uh, it actually turned out to be my first one, Ada Byron Lovelace and the Thinking Machine. It wasn't anywhere near published yet. In fact, it got published while I was at school. <laughs> a book, a book about the the lady who invented computers a hundred and I don't know eighty years ago. Well, computer programming. Yeah. She was using someone else's computer, but yes. That's correct. Because I was a computer scientist. My first two books were about computer scientists. And a woman. And, yes. a, and a great story. And um, uh, I, I, um, which poet was she connected to? I'm trying to remember now. Shelley she was or... Lord Byron's daughter. Lord Byron's daughter. Yeah. Yes. Incredible story. And then what happened? Well, then before that first book got published, I got an agent. And I got an agent from... Oh, Gold. hold on. You got an agent. Yes, got back up there. All right. I used to be assistant regional advisor for the New Jersey chapter of SCBWI, Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, the organization with the terrible name. And we'd have a conference every year and you'd have an opportunity to have your work critiqued. And I brought my book about Ada to the conference to have it critiqued. Because I was working the conference, I was so tired, so here, there, everywhere, I missed the critique, right? I totally missed going to the critique. And these are critiques that you pay for. Oh, yes. These are critiques you pay for. And there was a cocktail party. I just checked everyone in, checked their tickets, and I'm like this. All right, I, I'm exhausted. I mean, I'm beyond exhausted. And the agent comes up to me and says... You missed your critique? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but they were it's a pair of agents, Liza Fleisig and Ginger Harris-Donson. They were very nice. They said, we really liked your story. They talked to me about it later. They said, we have a publisher we think would be perfect, an editor for this. So I worked with them, sent it to the editor, went back and forth and back and forth for like, four revisions, and then just to show how much I really had no idea about anything, the agent, Liza, calls up and she says, how would you like to have your book published by Creston Books? I said, well, of course I'd like to have it published by them. I wouldn't be doing all this work. And she's, no, no, you don't understand. They want to publish your book. (laughs) 
and that's how it started. And, and then, still my agent, still doing great work. Yes, yes. We should have them on the show, actually. Um, they have a wonderful reputation. And um, so um, that was how many years ago? 15 years ago? That book came out in 2015. So that October came out? 2015, and I graduated in January 2016. Wow. So all of your huge success is just the past seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was, okay. I said there are three things you need, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's really a fourth one that I always hesitate to mention, luck. And in my case, the luck is that what I was interested in writing about, women scientists and mathematicians, that was my interest, my, you know, what I wanted to put out in the world. There was this big void in the market, but all of a sudden people were like, oh, Maybe there shouldn't be. Maybe we should put out books like this. So I was yeah. right at the beginning of that wave and was able to ride the wave. But it's important to say that um, I don't think that we as authors should write because we perceive that there might be a market. You know, there's not enough books on greengrocers. <laughs> I'm going to write a book about Sam the greengrocer. Um, oh, absolutely, it, it, I agree it, with you. If, if your kishkas aren't in it, don't do it. And that I say two things. One, if you're following the market, by the time you get there, the market has moved on. But the second one is, in English, if you don't have the passion for it, the book isn't going to be any good. Several years ago, I took a um, webinar on putting emotion into picture books. And it was a great webinar. And someone asked him the question, well, what about nonfiction. The webinar was by Pat Ziegler Miller. And someone asked, well, what about nonfiction books? And Pat said, well, Lori's at this webinar with us. Lori, what do you think? I was like, I'm taking the course. But that was the answer I gave then too. You need passion for what you're writing about, because first of all, you're going to be really very, very bored because of all the revisions you have to do if you don't have passion for the subject. And secondly, if you don't have passion for it, it shows in your writing. A absolutely. And um, so you said something that, that, that's really interesting because you said, oh, it, it was luck. But what what is luck? I mean, you went to countless SCBWI meetings. You became active, which I teach people, always get active. You know, yes. stand out in the crowd, do something. <laughs> Give to the give to the community. Give to the community. You'll get 10 times more. Get involved. Do things. Volunteer. And that's exactly what you did. Right. You make your own luck in this world. And you need to see the luck when it's there. You know, if the luck comes, you can't just... But, 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 yeah, but sometimes you also have to kick the door down a little bit. Uh, what I call yes. to be a luck burglar. And uh, you, you were a luck burglar um, because... You know, having missed missed your your slot, right? Mm -hmm. That that kind of sets you out in a sense as well, right? I mean, that's uh, true. <laughs> how many people come to the meeting and like uh, I I had one of these meetings with the editor in in New York and like um I in my whole meeting I'm saying oh three fifteen tomorrow three fifteen tomorrow like every three minutes you know I'm running to pee three fifteen tomorrow um so and and you forgot <laughs> that, you know. <laughs> That's crazy. If, if I were the agent and you didn't show up, I would want to meet this, you know, little bit uh, 
to flirt a uh, <laughs> lady who who can't remember, you know. Um, so so um, that was your first uh, biography, and but then you also branched into the biographies of of women primarily um, who are women. who are not all of them scientists. Well, they all are. Let me first so go back to my second book because okay. this is going to give a shout out for just what you're saying, becoming involved. My second book was Grace Hopper, Queen of Computer Code. And again, I was going for a critique at a conference. This time it was with an editor I knew. I had had critiques with her before. And this time you showed up. And this time I even showed up. <laughs> and by the time I showed up, she had already talked to my agent about possibly acquiring the book. So that's two books that came about directly from having critiques at a conference. So I can't give more than that than saying, will your book, will having a critique get you a, a contract? Of course not, but I've now had two. So you never know. Okay, so I, I can't I can't remember all of the uh, biographies you've done, but you've oh. done a, a whole bunch. Right. The, the Queen of Chess. Right, she, I got sidetracked because of yeah. the Queen of Chess. Yeah, and that, that's one, saying, of the, one of the three books that's, that's brand new, right, or not? Yeah, that's... I can't, I can't okay. keep track of you. The, the Queen of Chess is um, a terrific book, but she's not a scientist. She's a... She's a, a mathematician. Chess is math. Okay. And in the back matter of the book, there's a whole uh, section about how chess and math go together. You know, yep, and you have the you have the astronomer, right? Um, I have an astronomer. I have a, a cryptanalyst. Uh, let's see. Uh, I have to, I'm looking at the books. Uh, oh, a mathematician. Hedy, Hedy Lamar. Right, Hedy Lamar, who is an inventor. Yeah, so just different aspects. I want kids to be excited about science and math. And I especially want kids who are underrepresented in the fields, like women, to realize that, yes, you too can be a scientist or mathematician. When I was a kid, you would have thought your name had to be Marie Curie if you wanted to be a woman scientist, because that was the only one you heard about. Yeah, make it different for today's kids. So, so, so now that now that I think about it, because um, you, so, so your books are very STEM. You're, you're looking at um, at rational, rational women, right? Um, are there any women who aren't scientists that you want to write biographies of? You know, actors, singers, authors, mm -hmm. musicians, ikves. Well, there are certainly many women in many fields that I admire, but I keep an ongoing list of women scientists and mathematicians um, to think, maybe I should write about this one. Maybe I should write about that one. Uh, one I had thought I'd write about and ended up deciding not to was Florence Nightingale, not as a nurse, but as a statistician, which she also was. And... I ended up deciding that I just didn't think it would be that interesting for kids to read about her statistics. And there's a great uh, biography uh, that came out uh, recently about uh, Florence Nightingale. So, uh, right. okay. She <laughs> persisted. We just talked about it on the show two months ago. Um, so, uh, 
let's now talk, get back, segue back to your book, which has um, nothing to do about science. And so how did that happen? Okay, so as we discussed, I started in fiction. Is, is, is that a fluke or is this going to turn into a... Uh... Okay, so I have, you know, before Rivka's presence, I have this book here, uh, Dino Pajama Party. It's a book and rhyme for younger kids and uh, obviously not nonfiction, even though people, when it first came out, said, is that nonfiction? Sure. Uh, paleontologists found bones with bits of pajamas on them. Of course it's not nonfiction. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed that one. I Well, I enjoy writing in rhyme because I enjoy poetry. Also, I like having a book for younger kids also, not just grade school kids. And then my Rivka's Presence, which we've been discussing, which is historical fiction. I have another book coming out that hasn't at all been announced yet. That's like Dino Pajama Party, but it's about hippos and they're on the beach. But it's that same sort of silly rhyming for little kids. You know, hippos on the beach. I love it. Yep. We'll have to have you back. You need to mix it up. I love writing these women in STEM biographies. I really do. But speaking of not writing for the market, the opposite is a little true. The market for biographies is oversaturated now. People bought a lot of books. Um, so I need to branch out so I can have other things. I do have another woman in STEM biography coming out next year. Um, it's called Journey to the Stars about Kalpana Chala, who is an astronaut. But it, it's fun doing different things. <laughs> Laurie, did you have as much? So I, I have to. I have to get my hands on the Dino Pajama Party. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so, did you have as much fun writing Rivka's Presence as the biographies? The story behind Rivka's Presence, in addition to how I thought about it, I always thought it would be my first published book, because I'm writing picture books. I'm writing picture books. I think they're pretty good, of course. And then Rivka came along, and it's like. Oh, that's how you write a picture book. It didn't sell, but at the time, but it really was my first one where I thought I I have a little bit of a handle on how it's going on, and it didn't sell. Just like those novels, I sent it out everywhere. It got me an agent for a day. You know, just like I had a publisher who went out of business, I had an agent for a day. Because when she found out that I'd already sent it to five or six publishers already, she said, well, that's where I would have sent it. So sorry, goes under the metaphorical bed, never to be seen again. Then an editor on Facebook said, where are all the books for little Jewish kids that aren't Holocaust stories? I have one. I have one. <laughs> I'm so excited. You know, I send it to my agent. We do a revision. We send it to the editor. She likes it. I do a revision for her. She doesn't buy it. Okay. Back under the bed, never to be seen again. Then out of the blue, my agent calls and says, Random House Studio wants to publish Rivka. It wasn't out on submission. It was under the bed again. All I can think is that the editor must have said something that made my agent think, hmm, 
I should tell her about Rivka, which is why agents are good and why they're worth every penny. It's wonderful. So when did you begin to write Rivka? Jeez, 12 years ago, 15 wow. years ago, long time. Wow. wow. So but these visits to the museum, for very long time. These, these visits to the museum were ages ago. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were a long time the, ago. The, the museum has become a tenement. <laughs> That's it's stupid. It always was a tenement. Okay, so it's become a retenement. Um, so that's wonderful. So I want several things. I want, first of all, I want you to read a little bit from the book. It's so lovely. It's wonderful. Um, the um, who picked the uh, the illustrator? The illustrator is brilliant. Okay, so the publisher always picks the illustrator. I have been, I think, very lucky that the editor always asks my opinion about illustrators. And if you look at all of my books, the illustrations have just been stunning, some of them. They're just amazing. You know, the illustrations have won awards. Uh, Queen of Chess has just got into the Society of Illustrators show. Um, but I saw her illustrations. I love the color palette she uses. I, I, I think she's done just a marvelous job with the illustrations. It's gorgeous. Um, so would you like to read a few lines? Well, I can try. Holding the book up is not my strong point. So um, you, you, you can read from Read it. and then try and hold the book up because, like I yeah. said, not my strong point. Okay. Ribka waved out the window to the iceman. Today's my first day of school. There she is in the window waving out. Mama lowered her sewing. Oh, Rivka, I thought you understood. You can't go to school right now. Rivka stopped waving and went to Mama. But why, Mama? Papa is very sick with the flu and can't work. Starting tomorrow, I have to work at the shirtwaist factory. So I need you to mind little Miriam. When Papa is better, you can go to school. Rivka's eyes teared up. Yes, Mama. Mama nodded and returned to her sewing. Well, here we have Papa. <laughs> There's Papa sick in bed and Rivka and little baby Miriam with Mama. Let me read one more page here. It's got those, it's got those um wonderful faded colors of, of oh, old, old photos. It's it's brilliant. Rivka I, I don't know what the, what the word is, ochre, ochre or something? Ochre. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Rivka raced out of the apartment down two flights of stairs and out the door. When Rivka crashed into the grocery store easel on the sidewalk, she picked up the stand. I'm sorry, Mr. Solomon. No harm done. Rivka stared at the lines and curves on his slate. Mr. Solomon, can you teach me to write? Okay, so here she is. You know, she, here she's running down the stairs. And so here's the beginning of her trading chores for lessons she's found a way to make it work and she's a very ingenious little girl i love the play on rivka's presence because um <laughs> these are in a sense her presence and then in the end right in fact she, let uh, me just read the last page i i i, I okay because i was going to give it away but better you should give it away and hey, listen people you have to go out and buy this book um not only for jewish kids for any kind of oh. one it's a it's a wonderful story, and it's beautiful. This book is going to win a lot of awards, in my humble opinion. Okay, so here's the last page. 
um, her quote unquote teachers have come over to the house and people she's traded chores. Mama and I have a surprise for you too, Papa said. I am no longer sick. Rivka hugged Papa. That's the best present of all. Mama's eyes twinkled. So Rivka clapped her hands. Tomorrow's my first day of school. And here she is. It's just, like I said, community, family, education, people caring for each other, helping each other. You know, all these things go together to make it. And a hundred years ago, little children wanted to go to school. Like my mother. Exactly. Absolutely. So um, we're not going to have enough time. So I'm going to invite you back in a couple of months um, to talk about the courses and the lectures that you give to help other uh, authors. Sure. And I'm just going to share with you um, something that you can shoot down in flames or not. Um, <laughs> what is the difference at the end of the day between the fiction and the nonfiction? Um, okay. So you know, they both need to have it, that passion, right? It, it, it isn't, isn't this an artificial... Um, um, segmentation that really shouldn't exist. Okay, so I am going to shoot you down on that one. Okay, because my nonfiction, I'm very hardcore about that. Like you're not going to see dialogue in my nonfiction because I might know what the person said, but I don't know then how someone answered her, right? So if I put dialogue in, I can't make it nonfiction. I can't make it real. Would it be nice to be able to put dialogue in? Sure. Absolutely. It would make it easier. So I have this sort of hard line. Other people don't. Other people, you know, the line goes to the side a little bit. You know, they'll put but, in dialogue. Or... But, 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 but why shouldn't it, if it's historical fiction? Well, historical fiction is fine. But if I were writing historical nonfiction, which a lot of my women in STEM titles are, basically they're historical nonfiction, then they're nonfiction. What happened has to have really happened. I have to have sources that say that it really happened. Uh -huh. There's something called informational nonfiction, and that sort of blurs that line. You might have well I actually okay, but you see Lori, this is okay. We're not gonna have time today. <laughs> but Biochemist, Laurie Walmart. So, so um, you have informational nonfiction. I guess and, it's called informational fiction. And then you have informational fiction. And then you have historical fiction, historical nonfiction, informational nonfiction. And as a scientist who grew up on the teachings of Karl Popper, I'm going to argue that we, we never really know. You know, we, we can try. Okay, I'll give you that one. That things that we think are true we later find out eh, maybe they weren't true and that most things are interpreted through the lens of someone's biases you know we're looking at it through their eyes um like and, they and say with wars it's written by the people who won the war yeah so so um so so i have a book out and 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 the and the character now i say she's real you know and the book came out in hebrew and i take her all over the world and i'm showing her different countries uh, because maybe someday she'll get published in those. But in the meantime, she she has become, uh, together with, with my outstanding illustrator, 
a, a real entity in this world. Um, so the same way that I would argue that Rivka, um, she now exists. And it's true. I talk about my little Rivka. There you go. My little Rivka, my Rivka. Um, so I see what you're saying, but she wasn't real. She's an amalgam of many, many little kids. She, she wasn't real, but she's real now, you see. And, and, and um, children who, to intelligent parents who run out and buy this book, um, it's a different kind of present, right? You're buying a present, which is Rivka's presents and so on. <laughs> uh, and, and children, young children today who are three, four, and five, and I hope in many years, are going to grow up the same way that I grew up believing that Peter Pan was real. And, and you know what? He is. And, and, and to that extent, I want to cr congratulate you because it's very rare that I get the chance to talk about these things. Um, most of the people um, that I interview you know, are either fiction or nonfiction. Um, and as somebody who came over from science like you did, um, we can talk about all these foibles of what, what is true and, and what is not true. And what, what does it matter for a five-year-old at the end of the day? Well, and you get authors who their characters speak to them. In effect, their characters write their own books, which is not the case with me. No, but that, that's okay. I, 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 I don't, you know, we, we, at the beginning of the show, before we came down, we talked about being Jewish and not necessarily fasting on Yom Kippur or lighting the Hanukkah and whatever. There's a, a lot more to being Jewish that comes out in your book, which is published by Random House Studio, which is not a Jewish publisher, right? Which right. is more, more Jewish than a lot of books about uh, the guy who mistook a hat for a latke. <laughs> right, because it gets back into the Jewish beliefs. Yeah, not explicitly, that doesn't say. In Judaism, we believe education is very important. Who wants yeah, to it, read that? It gets to the essence, which is, as my late uh, Zayde would say, Susanna Mensch. Yep. Um, so this is, this, listen, this has been wonderful. We've, got, we've already talked for 50 minutes. And uh, <laughs> um, so what we're going to... Yeah, I, I enjoyed every second of it, Laurie. And, and um, what we're going to do with your permission is we're going to... Say goodbye to everybody, um, and uh, we'll leave and come back because I do want to share a few thoughts with you privately. Um, and um, this has been wonderful. So hold up your your three books that are out. Uh, we've been talking about Rivka's presence, but you have two other wonderful books uh, that are out this year. Um, what a fortunate world we are to have you in it. Thank you. You don't want to hold up your books and show everybody? Well, I can sort of point to them, <laughs> right? I'm terrible at doing this. This is the okay. Queen of Chess. Oops. There yeah, we go. Yeah. And published, then by, published by? Queen of Chess is published by Little Bee Publishers. So that came out about a month ago. And then Her Eyes on the Stars was published by Creston Books, who published my first book. So yeah, you don't give up on... Your publishers should keep circling around to them. About the lady who discovered a comet. Yes, the first American to discover a comet. She set up the astronomy department at Vassar College. You know, so she trained generations of women astronomers. Incredible. So um, 
I hate to say goodbye, but you're going to be back on the show uh, sooner than you think. Um, and I am Mel Rosenberg, the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the wonderful New Books Network, which allows me to have these wonderful interviews. And this is one of the wonderfulest. And I've been here with Laurie Walmark talking about her new book with Random House Studio. And it is called Rivka's, Rivka's Presence. And it is illustrated by... Absolutely. Illustrated by, and I have it written here, but I can't Adelina Lirius. Yes, wonderful illustrator. We should have her on the show too. Laurie, it's been great having you. Leave and come back. Okay, thank you. Bye, everybody. See you soon. <laughs>